1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: We got the right way we want. Prime time on Football Friday. No one comes into our house us around 1080 the fan
2: how you play today from this
0: moment on is how you will be remembered this is a football friday edition of prime time with isaac and souk brought to you by the odyssey app download the odyssey app follow 1080 the fan and enable push notifications to get the latest on the ducks, Beavers, blazers and more
2: football friday with isaac and souk on 1080 the fan
3: hey what it do oh, boy what is up good friday the the rain. The how's, rain is here. How's everybody? Yeah, we were talking yesterday. We, If you didn't hear our In the News, which if you didn't, shame on you. Exactly. I mean, where else are you getting your news? What right. the hell? Yeah. So yesterday on ITN, I asked the question because uh, we knew the rain was coming because, you know, forecasts. Yes. And uh, I asked the question. I said, okay, so it's been a great, long, nice summer. Yes. Better than we could have ever expected. hundred percent. Um, how long before we're sick of the rain? <laughs> and you said, you know, two weeks. Two weeks. Um, can I nominate one, <laughs> one day? One
4: day, and already you're like, son of a.
3: May I nominate one day? Well, the traffic just comes to a screeching halt in yeah. the rain, and that's the one where you're like, oh my gosh. That, and I think you have this same problem as I do, and we just have a little dog, but walking the dog is such a pain in the ass yeah. in this kind of weather too.
4: Well, and it's. It's fine because I've got two now, and uh, the, one, the little guy, the bulldog, he wants nothing to do with it. like This is the sort of time of the year where I, I struggle because uh, it's an internal battle in getting me to, to get him to go outside and go poop as opposed to him coming inside and pooping in the, the, the house. He hates going outside. His delicate little winker does not like to be uh, anywhere near the wet ground. And then I got the big guy who doesn't give an S. He wants to be outside 24-7. He wants to walk, and I have to get him to be like, no, we're going to be inside because he goes outside. And if you've ever seen what a 150-pound Akita looks like wet, it's terrible. You can't dry him off. Yeah. And so I've got these polarizing
3: That's a lot. That's a lot.
4: I've got these polarizing forces going Look, on now. It's
3: hard. We all need to move to San Diego. Go Padres. That's <laughs> what's in. in.
4: I will say that the first salvo was uh, had today as Crum, the little fella. Took a dumper on the landing uh, after being outside. He's like, I'm not going out there. Yeah. I took him outside right in the morning. And uh, I was like, all right, buddy, let's let's go do our business. And he goes and he hides around the corner. And he hides underneath, like, the, the eaves of the house. And then you can't really see him, so you just got to take him at his word. Like, "All right, he went outside. So we bring inside, and, you know, I'm farting around doing whatever. Like, 20 minutes later, I smell it. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. No, right there. Go walk it up. There's the landing. Just... Squats right there, outside 20 minutes ago. Nope, inside, taking a dump. Drives me crazy. And I, I like to appreciate, though, that it's the first rainy day, and he's letting me know right from the get-go. He's like, hey, hey, I'm the captain now. He's like, we're doing this. I'm not going outside. And that's when I know that uh, summer is officially over.
3: Yeah, winter has arrived. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Feels winter- like Halloween out there. Well, it's like Doesn't Hall- it? Halloween's like, what, a week away? Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, normally, well, I guess it's, I don't know. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. This is kind of when it starts raining. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's settle in for six months. Let's go. Let's go. Start planning your vacations now. Watching more sports because, you know, the you know, weather. Yeah. You know, what else are you going to do? Well, uh, we have a big show today. Uh, now, I said this yesterday, and we kind of did. Yeah, a little bit. And now we have another one, two, two straight big shows, which is unusual for us. Well, two guests, back-to-back days, that's unheard of. Quite frankly, it really is. Uh, today, um, I just heard from our new producer, apparently Dusty Hera, <laughs> that uh, Reese Davis from ESPN College Game Day will be on in 25 minutes. Yeah,
4: somehow, Dusty has turned into a conduit between us and College Game Day. Yeah, he's, he's connected.
3: He's well, I got, think he's got people. He's, uh, you know, if, if there's anybody likely to go to ESPN, it's Dusty because well, he's yes. uh, friends with all of them.
4: Well, and he's got a very, um, hmm, how do
3: I put this? presentable approach. Yeah, it's approach.
4: A, a non-threatening, non-offensive uh he's like Field Yates. It, he he right. looks the part.
3: Yeah, ESPN would just love yeah, him. Yeah,
4: and you know, he's lovable, he's not going to offend anyone, you know, and look, the Coke lovable,
3: pro- safe, good-looking, yeah, the
4: Coke problem, he fits right in with the ESPN culture. Yeah, they love that. Yeah, I mean, it'll it's it's a no-brainer. Can't you see him and like Samantha Ponder doing some sort of morning show together and I can, yeah, it just makes sense. It I fits. Can.
3: She's hot, by the way. Oh, yeah. Just needed to point that yeah, out.
4: Well, I mean, is there anyone at ESPN that's not hot? That's a good point. I, I kind of feel like that's not the reason you get hired, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. If you're going to get hired at ESPN, you either ought to be an ex-athlete or, you know, you got to be a good-looking... You looking, know, i got uh, one.
3: What do you got? There's one. Well, actually, two. Pat McAfee's kind of an ugly dude. Yeah. He's cool but he he's not pretty.
4: Well, I kind of let, let's be honest. The the male side of things is not the same as the female. Well, I side was of thinking
3: things. both sides, but of course female. But male, you you've also got that other guy. Who's that guy that does the uh picks on game day? That's the producer guy? Oh, Stanford, are you talking about Stanford Steve? No, he's another guy. He look he's just uh, bear. Uh, the bear bear yeah I know something like that I know you're talking that about. guy yeah I mean look yeah. he looks like a radio producer
4: well look it's certainly no offense Jordan it's not as important Jordan I'm does taken. Jordan does look like a radio producer by, Schultz, the way. by the way final, hey, final
3: day filling in for uh our other fill-in who is filling in for our other fill-in until he fills in again and when they yeah yeah, until uh, you know fuck.
4: someone else actually takes the job and then they quit and then Jordan will be back to filling in. Maybe and,
3: Jordan will be our permanent producer. Yeah, I you mean, know? I have a face for radio for sure, but I can clean it up. But I, I can, I do. Yeah, I will attest. Well, look, to I can look decent. Uh, well, we all can look decent, but the problem is none of it, ESPN doesn't want any of us. No, have you? Yeah. Seen they an, want people like Dusty. Well,
4: and and uh, uh, Brady Quinn, like that's who ESPN Joey wants. Harrington. Joey Harrington, David Pollock. I mean, right. They're all very, uh, they're all very handsome. And yeah. then on the female side of things, look, it, I'm not saying it's the only reason you get hired. It helps to be hot. It really does. I did notice today though, I was walking with Schiltze behind him, and he's got a tattoo on his calf. And I said, "Hey, uh, what's that tattoo?"
3: Let me guess. Huh? He has a tat on his calf. On his calf. Blazers. No. No. <laughs> and <laughs> f no. Uh but he 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 said
4: and i i don't know if i've ever had this this was a new one for me he goes it's a golfer and i went oh and that wasn't a you know i was just like are you a big golfer and then he goes wait it's not a golfer it's a singer and i was thrown by that because it's your tattoo john daly and i asked him what it was and then on a closer inspection it is indeed a singer you can tell it's a singer holding a microphone uh-huh. but it looks like a golfer maybe leaning like on his club you know okay. like a silhouette and I thought it was weird that Schultz originally said it was a golfer and then like 10 seconds later was like, no, wait. It was like a Monty Python bit. What is your favorite color? Red. No, no I blues. mean blue. Ah! Like I have tattoos, and if you, I've never had someone ask me what one of my tattoos is, and then give them the wrong answer.
3: I, I think it's maybe just because it's Friday, and I'm at the end of the week, and my brain went to like what everybody else thinks that it is to give you that answer. I, I don't know. I that was that huh. was very stupid. I think of he me, panicked. Sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably did. He
4: wasn't prepared for the question.
3: Uh, Interesting. Maybe not. Well, well, I wait, just... who is it then? It's supposed to be like a silhouette of just like a, what I would want to be a singer. Oh, a stage. singer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like a jazz crooner on stage. Okay, so. yeah, like, like gotcha.
4: A, like a guy kind of leaning, and then he's like holding the the long like yeah, mic stand. That makes sense. But it kind of looks like a golfer. Okay. Which I, when he said it was a golfer, I I was like, oh, I can see that now. And my follow up was, are you a golfer? And he went, wait, no, it's a singer. And I. Honestly, I thought maybe
3: it was like Arnie smoking a cigarette yeah, or something. Yeah,
4: it's something like that. It, it, you know, the Arnie, like, kind of leaning in. It looks like it could be a logo of a golf company. It belongs on a golf polo. And it just threw me that I I got an incorrect answer. You stumped him. Yeah. It's like me asking, Hey, Rob, what's that hat? And you being like, It's Royals. a Mets hat. I Wait, mean, no, Padres. I mean Padres. I'm like, what?
3: Yeah, I'm I wearing my no Padres defense. gear today. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, what did you just say? It said, I have no defense. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he panicked. But still, um, we did learn this about Jordan. Jordan filling in this week. This is day five of five for Jordan. Uh, We learned he is a crooner. He can sing. He has sang for us live on the air this week. It was great. It was pretty good. He's like
4: Michael Buble. Well, and I kind of feel like that's a Buble tattoo, but like a generic Buble. It's just like, hey, I've got a jazz
3: singer on me.
4: So he's not a fan of anyone in particular. He's just a fan of
3: jazz. Well, look, people get tattoos for a myriad of reasons. You know, who are you to say? uh, I'm not. You sound a little judgy. Nope,
4: I was only weirded out by the fact that he was not sure what it
3: was. Now that (laughs) you describe it, I'm weirded out. So so (laughs) when looking at this from outside glasses, I'm like, oh, dude, what were you
4: doing? Well, I was afraid that, like, I I touched on, like, a sensitive subject or something. Like... No. I was like, what did I... No, no, he just... Gave an incorrect answer. Just feeling it, stupid. It immediately went to the Mon-
3: Monty Python. But well, look, uh, we're all going through a lot. The smoke's been a lot. Yeah. The rains a lot. This this setup is a lot.
4: You know, and we're working. It's been to, a long week. We're working on it together. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to get to Brady Quinn status. That's right. We'll get through
3: this together. Brady Quinn. Now I'm done. If you want to talk about handsome men, yeah. Like when he and Joe Davis do a sh- do a game together, it looks like gay porn. It's ridiculous.
4: Like, people are tuning in just for that. <laughs> like, uh, what let is, me, let what me is, disinfect here. They already did that, just oh, so you know. I'm going to do it again. Dusty gave a thorough wipe down. Because yeah, he's a classy guy. Uh, yes, he does. is. He's a classy yes. guy. Our field, the gave right. that thing a thorough scrub uh,
3: Reese Davis, ESPN College Game Day is coming up at 3.30. Joey Harrington, do you remember him? He was the quarterback of the Ducks, the Lions. Dolphins, um, Saints. Yes, Falcons. Falcons. He Basically will be on, the entire
4: AFC South.
3: He'll be on at his normal time of 5.30, and we will set your college football DVR, and we will talk about Christian McCaffrey getting traded, and we will talk about Oregon-UCLA, and we will have fun today.
4: You know, I didn't really think about that, but he knocked out, uh, you know, he, he, if he just could have made a little bit more of a run down there. He had a nice little run down south. Gee, New Orleans, Atlanta, Miami. If, yeah. you if you could have knocked out, like, Jacksonville, he would have had the Southern, State, the Southern State teams covered.
3: Do you think they called him about college game day at all? Do you think he was on the celebrity guest picker list? I don't know. That's probably a good... I'm going to ask him. Oh, Has he ever done it? That's I haven't seen him on there. I mean, I don't know. But uh, Sabrina Unescu is going to be the one on there. But yes. I just wondered if Joey was, like, in the running. Maybe we can ask Reese that. But uh, did you know, I think today is Joey Harrington's birthday. Is it really? I think I heard that on... Uh, yeah. Well, we were texting today,
4: but he did not mention. No, he didn't. Well, he's not going to. No, hey, it's... guys,
3: it's my birthday. Hey, everybody. Make sure you wish me a happy birthday. Hey, pay attention. Yeah, October 21. Oh. Today is Joey Harrington's 44th birthday. And by the way, might I say he is younger than I thought, you... unless he's lying about his age on Wikipedia. No, because we... he
4: was a year. I'm trying to think. We Like, our college You know, pretty much lines up, and I turned 44 in December, so – yeah, that makes sense. He's only sense. 44. Well, do you think he was like, what, 48? I thought he was more my age. Well, it's only a couple years. Yeah, but it feels
3: like a lot. Does it? Well, yeah. <laughs> the, I'm those, 47. Those three years? Hell made... yeah, dude. I was great at 44. <laughs> Look at me now. I'm a mess. Feels like an eternity.
4: Yes. You need to go on like eugenics or whatever. Go get some boner meds. Give from me some Ozempic. Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas. Yeah, between Ozempic and whatever Doug Flutie's on. You'll have a raging, you know, tent in your pants, and uh, you'll be thin. Are you? Are you? I love those commercials where it's some dude, like, walking around the gym, and he's like, I've got no sex drive. And then, like, Doug Flutie just pops up from the squat rack, and is like, hey, you want a boner? Try this. And then Frank Thomas is like, and the ladies will love it, too. Like, with- they're the most ridiculous commercials of all time, and yet they're probably selling like eight billion bottles of that.
3: All right, Reese Davis, 3.30. We'll get our poll question in next. Thank you for being with us here on a Friday. It's 3.13 on The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Friday edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk.
3: Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On
0: 1080 The Fan.
3: All right, here's our poll question today. It's on Twitter at 1080TheFan. The Fan. is, as always, brought to you by AAA Heating and Cooling, a family business helping families for over 60 years. AAA. IAQ.com. That's our website. AAA. IAQ.com. That's three A's followed by an I and then another A and then a Q. <laughs> a lot of A's. Uh, what is the best bet Oregon, minus six against UCLA. UCLA, plus six at Oregon. Oregon State, minus 24 against Colorado. That is a lot of points. Or Colorado, plus 24 at Oregon State. I think
4: uh, I'd probably lean towards Oregon in that. I think these teams are really well uh, suited for one another. But... I think the home field advantage is just enormous. I mean, if you look at the the top 10 matchups, you know, there haven't been many of them uh, over the course of the last, whatever it is. I think they said there's been, it's like, I don't know, 14 or 15 over the last, whatever it is, you know, 25 years. But I think in the last 11 home teams are 10 and one, like Oregon doesn't really lose at home. Like if this game was in the Rose bowl, I'd probably lean towards UCLA. Although I think right now that's, still one of the worst home field advantages you could have for a good team. So I think I just the, – the other one, is there's just so many points. I mean, I think Oregon State is going to hammer Colorado. Colorado is not good. I mean, they they beat Cal, which congratulations, you have a win. But, I mean, Oregon State can be kicking the bejabbers out of them by 28 or 35, and then you put in a bunch of backups and, you know, garbage touchdown or two gets scored. I have no doubt that Oregon State's going to win, and I would assume win big. But that's just too many points, so – UCLA Oregon, I think it's a it's a coin flip game, but I'll take the Ducks. Just um, these games traditionally have not been very close when you're talking about these big top ten matchups, and the home team usually comes out on top.
3: So for that reason, and that reason alone, uh, I'll lean Oregon. So we have no chance, Nolan, again this week. Yeah, um, he was injured at the start of this month, and he's yet to clear concussion protocol. So he is out. It is Ben Golbranson.
4: You know isn't it funny that like a lot of times in college you get a concussion and you can be out for several weeks but in the NFL it's like 2 days later you're like
3: everyone's fine. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. I guess yeah, yeah that is interesting isn't it? It, it <laughs> happens quite a bit. Like Well, I have a question about not to change the subject we'll get back to it, but um how the hell was Teddy Bridgewater in the game last Sunday? It's he, like
4: He cleared concussion protocol.
3: That's Well, but no, wait a minute. So they said so Skylar Thompson started uh-huh. for the Dolphins yeah. because uh, Bridgewater did not clear concussion protocol Well, Skylar Thompson gets hurt or plays crappy. I don't know. I wasn't watching the game. And all of a sudden, Teddy Bridgewater has cleared concussion protocol. I think
4: it was Thursday or Friday. They said that Teddy was practicing, but on a limited basis, but that he had cleared, but he wasn't going to start. So I think they were saying like, yeah, he no longer has a concussion, but we still don't trust him to play. And then it was like, okay, we trust him to play because Skylar Thompson sucks. Look, that's so stable. the NFL concussion protocol it's better than it was cuz at least they acknowledge it but I, I something tells me that if uh my man Chance was in the NFL I, he wouldn't still be in, in protocol but that's just All me. right
3: well Gold Branson's in there I don't know um a lot of people have asked us this what is where's Tristan Jebia not playing what happened to that guy
4: just down the depth chart I mean it's the same thing like with a with Cardwell although I mean he's been he's been nicked up but you know we see this all the time, where we have an idea of who should be the guy or where the depth chart is, and reality is we don't know, so
3: well, we know, saw enough of Jebbia to know that i mean it's not like he's blowing anyone's hair back no, but
4: so yeah, we a all years ago we all assumed that was going to be between him and Nolan for the starting job. Well, it turns out that that really wasn't accurate that not a battle a battle for the uh for the starting job um it wasn't a battle for the backup. So Well, Oregon's go.
3: been through that, too, you know, with, oh, it's got to be Ty Thompson, and then it's Anthony Brown. Oh, it's got to be Ty Thompson, and then it's Bo Nix. Yep. So we don't know. Um, my bet there is going to be uh, not enough to bet it, but I, I, I would take UCLA plus six there yeah. of those four. Yeah. I mean, I dude, they're good. Yes. But they're so, good, well, and they're good up front, and this battle. Yeah. The thing about it is, though, I feel like, And we'll talk more about this. Uh, Reese Davis of College Game Day is in our next segment. We'll see what he thinks. But I feel like it's going to be a lot of points. And when it's a lot of points, you know, six isn't that many. So I'm not going to bet it or anything. Not that we can bet college anyway. Although I did hear and A. has its sportsbook up and running. Did you hear that? that I think, uh, what, Wednesday or Thursday, supposedly that went live. A little soft opening up there? Yep. So you can bet on college games. You just can't bet on the Washington schools.
4: Yeah, so if Washington's playing, like, Washington playing Oregon, you will not be able to bet on that game. So as long as it's, it doesn't involve one of the Washington schools, then, yeah, you're fine. You can go up there and well, place a college bet.
3: I just go back to um, the Utah-UCLA game, and you mm-hmm. look at that game, and you go, man... Utah should, you know, because it's like at that time we were saying, oh, UCLA hasn't played anyone. And uh, Utah is supposed to be one of the best teams, if not the best in the league, and they'll show UCLA what's up. Yeah, And I watched enough of that game to realize, whoa, way wrong about that. UCLA is legit. That was a legit win, mm-hmm. and uh, and it validated the Washington win. And um, so I just think this is going to be a damn dogfight.
4: Well, and, too, like, you look at that. You know that was. You say they was clearly the better team, but you know Utah was right in that thing, minus the two really bad turnovers. So I mean, anytime you get a game like this, I don't expect either squad to get blown out here, and I think it's going to come down to you know kind of those same old cliches. You know, who turns the ball over? Who makes a couple big plays? Special teams.
3: Well, wouldn't you take six then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, a pretty high spread
4: for two teams that are sure. pretty even. I just, like I said, in this battle, uh, I'm leaning towards simply taking Oregon at home. But, yeah, I totally understand. That's why I said I think this is more of a coin flip type game because I do think that there are some advantages that both sides had. I, I said When you look at it statistically, the only real difference that jumps out at you is, is UCLA's secondary is better than, than Oregon's. And so, obviously, both teams are going to want to come out and run the ball, but wet, rainy conditions, does that limit it a little bit? Uh, I'd also like to see which team comes out with the first wrinkle. I have a, a sinking feeling, and I get sinking feeling. That's probably not the right like, term. It wouldn't surprise me if UCLA comes out and spreads Oregon out right from the get-go and starts throwing the football. You know, we saw this that when, when Chip would do this a lot back in his Oregon days, you know, so much of Oregon was, was that tempo run, right? Run, 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 run. But how many times did you see Oregon come out under Chip Kelly and they would throw those little bubble screens and they would throw it to the outside and, and get the defense running side to side? To me, if I'm looking at one weakness in, in Oregon's uh, team across the board, obviously you look at the secondary, but I think it's been playing in space. You know, for as good as these linebackers have been uh, for the Ducks and, and you know, they, they get a lot of hype, they have not been very good this year when having to play sideline to sideline. So as great as UCLA is running the ball and, and Oregon is, I, I really think that UCLA is going to come out and, and start throwing and, and then use the throw to set up the run. And so if you want to look at, at a matchup, I would go there and how Oregon responds. You've had a week to address this, and it's been, to me, kind of the, the fly in the ointment all year is they have struggled against the teams that have been able to, to throw the underneath stuff. It's not really a vertical thing. They haven't really been beat over the top a bunch, but you've been able to to grab yards against them, and I want to see if if Oregon addresses that.
3: The other thing for me that will be interesting, I, yesterday we had Dan Lanning on, and I asked him how Bo Nix was better now than he was in week one, and he said decision-making. Well, this is the first team that they have played since Georgia warmed Bo Nix up. Yeah, that will warm Bo Nix up. Yeah, so that that's a real key here. Is okay. So we've seen good Bo Nix for the last five weeks, and he's been excellent. And they're using his athleticism, and he's running, and he's he's, and even when he throws, he looks great. But this team right here, with what they have up front, they're gonna they're gonna make. This is the t- obviously the toughest test since Georgia for Bo Nix, and so which Bo Nix shows up? Yeah, and, and is bad Bo Nix gone?
4: Well, Oregon's offensive line has been so good, and you, 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 but you are right. This is by far. I mean, it's not. I mean, Focus has three in the top thirty ranked in the, in the country. They've got they're, they, they're big. They've got some guys in the Murphy twins, and they've got some dudes up front that can that can get home and. Oregon's offensive line these last five weeks has been dominant. I mean, they have been pushing people around. Can Oregon stay out of obvious passing situations? I mean, the best way to slow down a run game is to just – or just to slow down a pass rush is just run the ball at them. So if Oregon and get into the play-action game, I think Oregon will be fine. Um, if they can't, and they can't win on first and second down – and you get Bo Nix in third and six, you get Bo Nix, well, th- third and six or beyond, I think that's where you're talking about bad Bo Nix can rear its ugly head. So, again, if you're looking for keys to the game, it's, it's, everyone's going to say third down, third down, third down. I, third down, to me, is a little bit overblown. It's what you do on first and second down. Because I don't mind third and three, third and two, when you have the playbook at your disposal. Oregon is, is deadly. But third and six, third and plus, this is not an offense that's built to do that. So that, to me, on first and second down, what happens there, can you neutralize their pass rushers? Because on third and three, you can't really rush the quarterback like that, especially an athletic guy like Bo Nix. You're going to have to rush with more discipline and try to keep him in the pocket, and that's going to slow it
3: down and give him time to make some better reads. There's your poll question. It's on Twitter, at 1080 thefam brought to you by AAA Heating and Cooling. Please vote. The only thing we ask, just vote hard. Uh, Up next, ESPN College Game Day is coming to Austin. Reese Davis is the host of the show, and he will join us when we return. First, Jordan with SportsCenter.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. is a Football Friday edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk.
4: Brought to you by the Odyssey app.
0: On
3: 1080 The Fan. Hey, Danny Moring's still here, and I just want you guys to know, when he's all tweeting about the Blazers and stuff, yeah. he's over there re-watching the Kings game. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And he says he re-watches every game. So I just want you guys to know, that dude's putting in the work.
4: I think... It's not work for him. I, I think it's yeah, uh, it. it's it's like my brother watching the Mariners. Right. I, I think that's an illness. <laughs> right, right. Like, the idea of forcing forcing me to watch the entire Blazers King game start to finish seems like punishment to me.
3: Well, that's what I told him. I said, but I, having to rewatch it, I tuned in in the first half and I just could not watch it. But then it got good. Yeah, and it kept my attention. The rest, uh, you know, like the late third. Yeah, in the fourth quarter.
4: Are you ready for some Blazer basketball? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Am Not I ready? Really. Am I ready for a quarter and a half of Blazer basketball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two quarters, maybe yeah. three. Now you're pushing it. Don't ask me for four, and sure as hell don't ask me for eight. Look, That's too
3: much. I would imagine all sports are like this, but is there anything worse than the first quarter of an NBA game?
4: No, it, because it's the Where most, they're just
3: kind of feeling each other out, minus and...
4: someone blowing something out or a punch being thrown or, I don't know, someone spilling something on the court, some sort of sideline incident, there is nothing that's going to happen in the first quarter of an NBA game that I care about. I'll go a step further. I don't think the second quarter really matters either.
3: (laughs) Well, you're right. I should have said first half. But if you're up 22, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Right? Like, wait till the fourth quarter. Yeah. So the only thing that would rival that to me would be maybe baseball. Like, you know the first three innings when both pitchers are, you know, getting guys, like everybody's three up, three down. Like that's pretty boring.
4: Yes, but at the same time, like if you give up four to five runs in the first couple innings, that's hard to come back from. You know it happens, yeah. but like you can you can get you can end a game real early with that. The NBA, I'm not kidding it. You could be up by 29 a- after a quarter and a half, and it And no one is sitting there and saying this game is over. Everyone, you know, it'd be one of these, you know? You know, at half, you just got to cut this thing maybe down to 20. And then the third quarter, you make a run. It's like, well, they got it down to nine. And then you get to the fourth quarter. And what's happening in an interesting ball game?
3: All right, we're waiting on uh, Reese Davis from College Game Day, who is an elusive uh, mf <laughs> He's quite wiry like his old man.
4: I mean, he's, he's hard to lock down. He's probably doing something with his uh, beautiful hair.
3: So in, in the meantime, uh, big news today. Uh, Christian McCaffrey got traded. Yes. Uh, You guys know him. He played at Stanford.
4: We knew he was going to get dealt. Mm -hmm. I did one of the great college careers that we've seen. He was awesome. Christian McCaffrey was, like, when you talk about all-time college backs, like, Christian McCaffrey is sneaky in that list. He was so
3: good at Stanford. And
4: he was good in the NFL when he's been healthy. He's just never healthy.
3: So he goes from the Carolina Panthers to our San Francisco 49ers. Yes. Which I love that a great fit. Him and Shanahan. This is a great fit, especially because he catches the ball out of the backfield. You know, like just the the ways they could use him. Like that looks, that looks juicy.
4: And now you have Stanford and Harvard starting in your backfield right now for San Francisco. Who went to Harvard, uh, Uzcheck. Oh, really? Their their fullback is uh, he's a Harvard
3: guy. All right. You got the think tank happening back there now. Smart guys. Hell yeah! All right. Well, the Panthers get a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. You know, I really
4: think for a guy who is kind of expensive, although none of his money is guaranteed, that's all paid by the
3: the the, the, Panthers. the Panthers. Yeah. So, they're he, on the hook for like 29 million or something. Yeah.
4: So, I mean, remember all that stuff is the, the guaranteed money, that's all Carolina has to eat all that. So, his contract with the 49ers isn't as bad as you think, and none of it is really I don't think any of it, if I'm not mistaken, is guaranteed. So if you're San Francisco, it's not really a money deal. Um, it's just a capital deal. And I'm kind of I'm kind of floored that they were able to get this out of Christian McCaffrey. If you're Carolina, and by the way...
3: Well, it's I, a lot of picks, though. It's
4: a lot of picks. This is a great deal for, for Carolina. It, 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 the idea that teams aren't tanking anymore because of uh, what happened down in Miami... Carolina would like to raise their hand and be like, "Really, we're not tanking." Wink, wink, nod, nod. I mean, they are, and so to get that kind of haul, I, I really thought for a, a guy like McCaffrey, who is kind of expensive, so his cap hit the next three years is around twelve million bucks a year, which is it's it's significant, but it's not like it's it's not mind numbing, right? If he if he's productive, you can live with that and let Carolina eat it, but to give up that many picks for a guy that is this hurt all the time and and for a team that supposedly wasn't going all in right now because they spent draft capital to go out and get a quarterback. that clearly wasn't ready to play anytime soon. I wonder if San Francisco kind of mashed the panic button a little bit with Trey Lance and they realized that the window is right now. And this idea of we'll wait for Trey Lance to kind of develop. Maybe some of that is out the window and it's like, man, we got a chance here and we got to go for it. We got to go for it now. I really would have thought that this was going to be more like a a, a third and a fourth, and that's it for McCaffrey. So to see this kind of haul for Carolina, I think it says two things. One, Carolina's really smart, and I think that there was more of a bidding war than we realize in teams interested in in, in making a push for this.
3: Well, hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, Oregon-UCLA tomorrow. The rain has set in. could be a wet one. Uh, ESPN College Game Day, I'm sure, is prepared for that. Reese Davis I do believe we have Reese Davis, the host of the show, uh, on with us now here on the fan. Reese, can you read me?
2: I hear you. Hear you loud and clear. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited to be here for the pre sunrise show tomorrow morning. I always uh, we did one of these here in 2017 uh, or 18, I think, and. I went to Washington state and there's always something cool about starting the show before the sun comes up. And I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not being cynical or sarcastic at all. I actually quite enjoy it. It gives a really cool look. Uh, when the students are out that early or actually, I think at their age, at my age, it's early. At their age, it's late, (laughs) you know, so when when they're out that late, it's always always creates a great atmosphere. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow morning.
4: Can you feel a di Like we always say out here on the West coast, it's just, it's different. And I'm not like, there's such a passion down South for it. And out West, we say that we have a little better, you know, sensibility, but we try to be, you know, passionate too. Can you get a different feel for where you're at? Can you feel the difference between a big 10 and an sec? And when you're out West in the crowd and the vibe,
2: I think you can get a different feel in each of those places. Um, you don't find many places the type of vitriolic uh, atmosphere that we had last week in Knoxville yeah. with uh, Alabama coming in for Tennessee. Now part of that is you know that it's a rivalry in Tennessee hadn't won in fifteen years, you know, and many of the games have been a beatdown. So there was a real, um, almost a wild-eyed passion, you know, and desperation in wanting to win that game. I don't know that you find that many places outside the SEC. There are certainly exceptions from time to time. Uh, Michigan last year at Ohio when Ohio State came in, they beat them and they stayed on the field for an hour singing. is a notable exception to that. Certainly, there, you know nothing. Uh, nothing was any more passionate than that day in Ann Arbor. But, but I do think that each region of the country has a distinct feel, and I would say that over my years of going to games and even dating to the years and Uh, when I called Thursday night games and coming to Oregon to call a number of games over the years, that the intensity at Oregon is a little bit different from other places on the West coast that I've been, Mm -hmm. Um, because they do love football. They've had great success here. Um, The stadium tend, the stadium tends to hold in the noise, uh, I guess, hence the house of loud. And, you know, there's an intimacy and, uh, you know, they're kind of on top of you, the fans. And it's a, it's one of my favorite places to see a game. And I think there's, you know, there certainly is a different vibe, different places there in the South. It's probably a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more part of the DNA, part of the everyday life for most of the fans. Um, I've heard a couple of people say over the years that the importance of it in in some regions and most regions in the SEC is the best thing about it and can also be the worst thing about it. You know, in terms of perspective or whatever. But yeah, you can you can sense the difference in different places.
3: How how do you guys go about selecting the celebrity guest picker?
2: It's it's a little bit it varies week to week. We try to get uh, we try to get, it's better but not necessary if that person has a connection to the school. And one of the things I think that people sometimes misunderstand, there are a lot of people anxious to do this, but that doesn't mean that we get to pick and choose. We get turned down a lot. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's because it's, you can't put it on their schedule, you know, six months in advance because you don't know where you're going to be. So you're asking people who are very busy, very accomplished people who have tight schedules, To do something basically on four or five days notice right that's that's a tough thing and a lot of them have you know busted tail to do it and we're extraordinarily appreciative of that when they do um but it's something that you know we we shoot for for big stars we shoot for people who are important at the place where we are and you know certainly that's the case with uh, sabrina unesco who will be our guest speaker tomorrow she's you know she is uh, not only a, a great WNBA player, but she's also really important um, on campus here at Oregon. People revere her here, and that's going to play well. And she's got a great personality, and we're looking forward to to having her. But in terms of in terms of that, you know, you you do the best you can. Um, you know, for instance, we tried. It was great to have Peyton Manning last week. The first time we went to Tennessee, we tried for Dolly Parton. We actually tried <laughs> to get Dolly again. And uh, and she was open to it, but it just didn't work out. And oh, you know, we've had a had a number of uh, you know number of opportunities over the years to uh, where people have uh, you know wanted to do it but couldn't fit it in their schedule. And you know, you have to decide, kind of scramble. The latest one, uh, and I'm, I'll leave you with this, one, not leave for the interview before this subject. The latest we ever had, we had real difficulty in that classic Ohio State Michigan game in 2016. I think that was the right year. Um, of finding the picker, and we ended up pulling Orlando Pace off the sideline about literally right before the segment (laughs) because I don't remember all of the circumstances, but we had people cancel. Maybe somebody couldn't get in at the last minute, and Orlando just, yeah, sure, I'll do it, and he was was (laughs) tremendous.
4: Oh, my gosh. That's great, but the, the Dolly Parton one would have been epic. Like, I, I it's, fun when, that have been great? it's fun when you get someone, at, you know, attached to the school. But, you know, sometimes it's just, like, I, we don't call anyone out. But sometimes people just seem so uninterested. But to have someone like Dolly Parton and that kind of personality, <laughs> like, I thought Katy Perry was one of the best people you ever had. I don't know if she knew anything about college football, but she wanted to be there. She wanted to be there and was engaging. And that, to me, are the ones that, that always, to me, end up being memorable.
2: That was uh, that was the year before I took over the show. so mm-hmm. I wasn't there with Katy, but... I think um, you know the ones that that I remember. The Payton was great yeah. last week. Matthew McConaughey was unbelievable <laughs> at Texas. Yeah. I think 2019. Ken Jong showed up and did it at Michigan State for us, and he was <laughs> uh, he was great. Keegan Michael Key's always really good. You know, big Penn State fan. Um, you know, and I'm I'm such a I'm, I'm delighted to have Sabrina. So don't misunderstand this, but um, I'm such a big fan of Ty Burrell and and. And the modern family and really everything else he he's done, the sketches, you know, and the old uh, key and peel skits and everything. That, you know, anytime you can get a guy like that who's a great entertainer, but also has an affiliation and a love for the school, I mean that that's that's a win.
3: Uh this is Reese Davis of ESPN College Game Day, Oregon, UCLA. Their show will be on there, um out there at Austin tomorrow. Um I wanted to ask you before we get to Oregon UCLA, how you view this season. Um you know, you're talking to a couple of big NFL fans here, too, and the NFL has had an, a, a historic scoring drop. It's been kind of boring, shall I say, through the first six weeks. And on the flip side of that, it really seems like this college football season, for whatever reason, is just infinitely more exciting. Uh, we've been kind of talking about it over the last handful of weeks of what that might be. What do you think? Do you think that's true, and what do you attribute that to? Because it's just been a barn burner of a season so far, it seems.
2: I think there are a number of things. Um, number one, I think the proliferation is going to really get down in the weeds of seven on seven. The pitch and catch at the college level is pretty elite. And I don't know that that the defenses are uh, have quite caught up in that regard. So you've got that. Uh, you've got the pace at which some teams play, which most teams have caught up to. But every now and then you'll find a team that does it extraordinarily well, as Tennessee is this year. It create you know creates a lot of problems uh, for for teams. Uh, you know I think you've got a lot uh, you know a lot of the um, athletes play. You have you have good athletes on defense uh, for sure, but I think you you have the turnover and maybe you have younger guys on defense from time to time in college. I, I couldn't really speak to you know I watch the NFL too. But it's just so hard at that level because everybody's so technically sound. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost like you have to find the right scheme in order to move the ball an inch. I mean, every game in the NFL seems like it's going to be, you know, 20 to 16, 23 to 20, and some of the scores have been even lower than that this year. I don't necessarily find that boring because I like good defense too. But, you know, the the college game has, uh, you know, it just seems like the offenses are a little bit, Farther ahead of the defenses this year. And the definition, because of the pace of play, because of the rules, uh, a number of things, the definition of good defense um, has really changed. I think a defense like Georgia had last year is sort of an aberration now. You have five first round NFL picks on a defense, and yeah, you can shut most people down. Um, but now it's, it's a little bit harder to do. Spit the ball out quickly. It's hard to, even if you have elite pass rushers, to really have the impact the game. So I think there are, uh, you know, there are just a number of factors there to sort of come together to make, you know, make uh, make it more conducive to scoring in the college game. And it's just the players are better and bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL and more seasoned. And what you have, I think, you see a lot in college that you just don't see in the NFL. Is you'll see assignment bust because these are still young guys, still developing and learning, and these are complex defenses that they're running, and sometimes they bust coverage. You know, and and that just doesn't happen nearly as often in the NFL. Who's the
3: best team in college football right now?
2: I, I think it's Ohio State. I think they're the most complete. They don't have the best resume. That's Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee by far is the most accomplished team in terms of the old who did you play, who did you beat. But if, but if Ohio State and Tennessee you played last Saturday or this Saturday, I would pick Ohio State to win the game. So I think they're probably the most complete team. They're much improved on defense. They've got an NFL quarterback. They've got, you know, at least three NFL receivers, reminding me a little bit in that regard of the Alabama teams from, you know, like 18 through 20, where, you know, where they were rolling out where their, you know, number three receiver was a first round draft pick, you know, that kind of thing. Ohio State's in that boat on offense right now and their defense has improved, they have a new defensive coordinator. So I would lean to them, but certainly Georgia, Tennessee uh, are capable and though Alabama is not playing Alabama style football, uh, a lot sloppier than they have been in years past. They're still really talented and I still think they have the best player in, uh, in Bryce Young and the best defensive player in Will Anderson, but they, you know, as a team they haven't played to their capabilities, but all those teams are certainly threats to Ohio State, maybe Clemson too, maybe Michigan, but I think Ohio State's the best team. It's
4: funny how Cle- I was going to say Clemson. It's, it's like we kind of forgot couple <laughs> years ago Clemson yeah. Clemson was the, you know, the, the king of the castle, and it just kind of feels like they slipped off a couple years, even though the offense is playing better, the defense never really faltered, but it, it kind of feels like we, we're sleeping on Clemson a little bit, and they probably have the easiest path to the college football they playoff do. as anybody.
2: Uh, they do, uh, They it's um, and I don't mean to cast aspersions at the ACC, but there's not uh, there aren't many roadblocks, and they've already passed a couple of them. I mean, Wake Forest is a dangerous offensive team, sort of speaking to what you guys were talking about earlier. You can get in a scoring match, which Clemson did with Wake Forest, and somehow they lived to tell about it, and they were very fortunate in that regard. NC State hasn't played up to its preseason hype, and they've already passed them. Florida State is improving rapidly, and Clemson just beat them on the road. So, you know, potentially um, they could play North Carolina in the ACC championship game, and North Carolina has been atrocious for the most part of the season on defense, but they might have the best quarterback in the ACC. And Drake May, if you guys follow college basketball at all, uh, Luke May, who is a terrific player at Carolina, Mm -hmm. basketball player. His younger brother, Drake, is a stud. I mean, he, he is a star. And um, he's he could make it really dangerous for them. But you're you're right in your assessment. There's uh, absence, stepping on a rake, and hitting themselves in the face. <laughs> uh, Clems, Clemson should really should really finish the season undefeated. And I say that knowing full well that they play an undefeated Syracuse team, which a few times even against Clemson's really good teams over the years, uh, Dino Babers' team has has given them a real fit.
3: Oh, well, we won't keep you much longer. But Oregon, UCLA, what? I'm interested in your opinion on what makes UCLA different this year from the last few years under Chip Kelly.
2: Well, first of all, they're mature. They're old. I think they've got 21 guys in grad school. And you say, well, what difference does that make? Well, they're 22, 23, 24 years old. They're not going to be too phased by surroundings. They've seen a lot. So, you know, ebb and uh, and flow of games, make a mistake, probably going to respond to that okay in a mature fashion. And and chips teams historically, whether at Oregon or even at UCLA, have done a pretty good job of that. Um, they're a little different, in my judgment, from the Oregon days because they're they're not as fast. But you know, he'll go multiple tight ends. They're still very physical in the running game, which you guys know from uh, watching watching at Oregon over the years. I don't think they probably got quite enough credit for that. Um, but you know, this is a they're really uh, tough-minded. Charbonnet's a really good back, and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson has been with Chip forever. You know, it seems like now, and has really blossomed. Uh, you know, in his, his final season in Westwood, and I think that you know, he's become a very efficient quarterback, dangerous runner, taking care of the ball, high completion percentage, and coupled that with a with a strong running game, and you know, that's I think that's what's helped them. But I would say more than anything else, it's they ooze maturity. Right now, and I think it makes them well suited to come in come into an environment which is going to be raucous and exciting on Saturday afternoon. And I, I expect UCLA to play well.
3: Well, great stuff. Um, great talking to you too. Thanks for being present and, and uh, giving us a, a lot of time here. I know you're busy, so um, appreciate that and enjoy uh, Oregon.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care.
3: All right. Talk to you later. That's Reese Davis of ESPN. College game day. Yes, here in town. How about that? Very excited. And for I'm this looking one. at the TV right here, and there's the bear guy that I was talking about. Yeah. That's that guy right there. See that guy there? Oh, he, he's yeah. like their producer or something. I don't know what he he's on that show. Anyway, he's sitting there on campus right now. Talking to some betting show, they have to have
4: him on there. Otherwise, they'd be accused of having too many handsome people. He's the <laughs> guy that's on there for profiling purposes.
3: I gotta yeah. stick up for myself. I am way better looking than that dude. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but don't you think? Look, uh, uh, you you definitely are okay, Jordan. But let's look at Bear or whatever his name is. Yeah, doesn't that guy look like a radio producer? Yes, and I he mean, looks. That's it, what they. If, yeah. if you looked one up in the dictionary, it, that's him. Yeah, little curmudgeon-y. Just.
4: He's going to go home. All overweight. Something tells me that there's some Salisbury steak and a tin <laughs> uh, you know,
3: foil thing that's, that's on his plate tonight. All right. Well, let's get back on track here. Uh, appreciate Reese. Um, we were talking about – what were we talking about? Christian McCaffrey. My man. <laughs> My man. That's what's in. Right until he blows out a hamstring next week. Uh, we'll get back to that next. 353 on the fan. All right. Welcome back to our show. What's up? What's up? Oh. About ready to get uh, my Padres on here.
4: <laughs> That's what's in. Gets By the way, the Phillies. go Phillies. For whatever reason, we have our Jim Tomei action figure in here. I still don't know where this came from or why. Like, as far as I know, there's not a Phillies fan around here. But we have a Jim Tomei, uh, like, what is that? Was it uh, McFarland does these, like figurines? And I have no idea why it's here, but every day I stare at Jim Tome, it. Jim
3: Tomei, Greatness. Hall of Famer, 600 home runs, if I'm not mistaken. Hall of of Famer, Jim Tomey. Yeah. Did it the right way. Did he? Kind of fat. You know.
4: (laughs) Not roided up, or was he? No big head. Was he? Do you think Jim Tomey was roided up? I have no idea. I assume if you play in that era, like, no one's beyond suspicion. Like it's, We all want to believe our guy did it right, but the reality of it is whether you played in the 70s and 80s like we always do this like with Hank Aaron, right? Or or Maris, they did it the right way. These guys were all up or hopped up on amphetamines. So I I I just don't I don't pretend to have the the, the, the steady hand that's going to draw the line between cheaters and non-cheaters and it kind of drives me crazy when, when
3: people do. Uh, it just so you just implicated Ken Griffey Jr.
4: I mean, like my brother does this a lot and I'm not trying to drag my brother. I love Griffey. Griffey's one of my favorite players of all time. Same thing with Jeter. Not not these, my favorite player, but Jeter and Griffey are the the guys that we always get, you know, the, they did it the right way. But do we know? I, I couldn't tell you, I think, but we thought Ryan Braun was doing it the right way. Was Kirby Puckett doing it the right way? Was Jim Tomei doing it the right way? I mean, and what is the quote the right way? Technically, what McGuire was doing wasn't illegal at the time. So I just, I, I hate all this where there's an asterisk here and this one doesn't count and the real record is 61. No, it's not. It's 73. I, I just, I, Bonds never failed the test. Yeah, we we were pretty sure what Bonds was doing, but I just, I, I'm not going to be the morality police on this. And, and I always say this, people like ask me, did I ever, did I ever do steroids? And I always say No. And some people would get all huffy at me uh, because I've talked about that. I had a lot of teammates that did. And I always laugh and be like, dude, if I took something, I'd be happy to tell you. And I didn't not take something out of uh, like any sort of moral code. I was scared. I didn't know a lot about it. I was scared of getting caught. I was scared of getting kicked out. And that I, I just every time the drug test came up, I would see the look in those guys eyes. And I wasn't going to be the one that was going to put my balls on the line for that. And so I never did it, and I was always a pretty strong guy. But what I did do is take an S-ton, and I mean an ungodly amount of painkillers and anti-inflammatories and all that other jazz. I took injections. I took the what was the uh, an anti-inflammatory that they took off the market that I was taking every day in handfuls because it turns out it destroys your liver. I think it was like Vioxx or something. Uh, there was that. I took the, something called like DMSO rub that was meant for horses that I would rub on injuries that would make my breath stink and give me a rash, and it was absor- absorbed into my skin. So, what I never liked was that stuff was all viewed as from like my coaches and trainers as heroic. I was willing to do all this in order to get on the field because I was a tough guy. <laughs> well, what's the difference between any of that and someone that's taking steroids or HGH? To try to be in better shape or rehab and not get hurt in the first place, like why is one? And, and by the way, no one's dying of, of uh you know of, of steroid use uh, playing football, but guys die of opiates all the time. So why was what I did considered in bounds and what someone else did consider out of bounds? I, I just don't like any of those any of those uh, pretend lines. And then oh, all the amphetamines that we were on to get us up for games. And when we first got to college, guess what we all took? Andro. It was what McGuire was taking. Because everyone took it. And then we found out. It was like, oh, yeah, that's illegal. There was so much stuff. You know who did it the right way? Huh? Brett Boone. Brett Boone. <laughs> Booney. That was I, the right way. So those are the guys that we vilify because we think that they wouldn't have been there without it. Whereas I feel like sometimes like, it's, it's just like what we've, what we've villainized because of the way Boone looked. But if Boone didn't look like that but still put up those numbers, then we wouldn't have been as angry at him. But he had that cartoonish look about him. Therefore we got mad. Well,
3: come on, he clearly did steroids.
4: But so did like Palmero, but we didn't get mad at Palmero until after the congressional thing because Palmero didn't look the part. Ken Caminiti looked the part? And so now we want to yell and scream. Well, guess what? Every NFL player looks the part.
3: Drugs, bro. Right? I mean, it's just right.
4: be careful. Be careful when you take out the morality pen and start drawing the line.
3: So um, <clears throat> let's get back to Christian McCaffrey.
4: Yes. Who should be um, on
3: all the drugs. Who cares about baseball steroids? Jesus. <laughs> it's football Friday, Sucanic. So shut up over there. Yes. Uh, McCaffrey is now a Niner. Mm -hmm. And John Lynch, the GM of the Niners, has spoken about why he traded for him. We'll get to that uh, when we return. Joey Harrington in our five o'clock hour on The Fan.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.